0: I want to bless our worship team with just some gift cards here. God bless you guys. You guys are so amazing. faithfully. Can we get up for the worship team, man? You guys are the best. Thank you every week for serving and doing all that you do. I have a slideshow that I'm going to be preaching with you today. As they get that ready, everybody say more in 2024. Amen. How many want to see something new and more in your life in 2024? That's good. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Next week is one of my favorite times of the year. It's when we go over all the goodies. Why well, shouldn't commit us to next week because sometimes the administrator, it's a little tough. So I should say the next few weeks, make sure you're coming in January because you're going to hear all the highlights of what God did in 2023. In our final hours that we have here, I want to bless you as the brother's getting that ready for me. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to be ending the year today at the church with a new man celebration. So if you're into partying and want to hang out and do some Holy Ghost activities with your friends, come out to the church tonight. What time does it start, Nancy? 8 o'clock? Yeah, come out at 8 o'clock and bring in the New Year's with the cool kids. Anybody here a cool kid? come on, come with the cool kids. You know, I know some of you have your own plans. It was so funny because uh, as a new pastor, I didn't know how to say no. So I have, I've learned how to say no now. Uh, how many have learned how to say no? It's, it's a blessing. When you learn how to say no, how many have learned how to give the gift of goodbye? Anybody know how to do that? Sometimes you just got to say goodbye to people. I mean, we try to keep people around in our lives. Sometimes you just got to learn how to say goodbye. We don't have to argue. We don't have to fight. We don't have to keep going through it. It's just goodbye. And, and life's better that way sometimes. So anyways, I didn't know how to say no, and uh, this family came to me. I think it was our first or second year as a church, and they're like, "We do all uh, w- the church that we used to go to did all of these activities for New Year's. We should do that. We should be a church that does that." So I was like, uh, "Okay." I usually go to bed early. I, I, I don't really care about New Year's Eve or whatever, but I'll do it for you and see what happens. So we announced it to the church, and literally only their family showed up. So I just hung out with that family <laughs> at the church. Put out some board games and everything. And then I said to myself, never again am I doing anything like that. Now, what Lawrence has done for us is he has hooked up the young people with the young adult ministry, the youth ministry, the children's ministry, the parents who let their kids stay out that late, and said, everybody come on out and see what's going on. And man, they decorate the the stage. It's going to look different in here. Then they bring in talent from around the city. How many have ever been to a new man? A couple of you? Two of you? Amen. So there's a lot of you who can come. There's a lot of you who can come now. And I'm proud of him for doing it because I like ideas that don't come from me, okay? That's just for realsy. Just talking to you as a pastor, it was funny because uh, uh, one time uh, in a small town, this guy noticed that the pastor was by the train tracks. Does anybody have train tracks around them, you know? I do. There's some trains around us. And uh, this guy said, man, every day I just see you here at the train tracks. Why are you always here? And he said, this is the only thing that moves that I don't have to push, Get it? See, pastors, we feel like we have to push, 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 push. So this one pastor, you guys may not know too many pastors that hang out with me enough, but trust me, that's a big deal for us as pastors. So I got to hang out with you guys more. Maybe I should complain more, make you feel sorry for me. But anyways, uh, pastors always feel like they're pushing, they're pushing, they're pushing. And this pastor just wanted choo-choo. Dude, that's so amazing that that thing moves and I don't have to push it. Does any parent ever feel like that? Can you relate to that as a parent? Like, don't you want your children to do things that you didn't have to force and push to get to have happen. Well, that's what it's like sometimes being a pastor. And so I love new man because I don't have to have anything to do with it. I can attend if I want, come for an hour if I want. I, you know, come early, stay late, do whatever. But here's the idea is that his part is to reach people on that time of the year. So those of you who are going, please invite somebody, invite some of your wild friends, you know, that, yeah, Bringing in the New Year's, you know, like those partying friends. Bring them to a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 3. If you notice, I'm standing about three inches taller because I got a boot for my boot for Christmas. And so, what that means now is I can boot scoot around. Uh, I, the foot doesn't hurt at all. By the way, I did this uh, doing the most amazing backflip. No, I'm kidding. I did this playing basketball, and uh, I wish I would have did it doing something cool, but it's kind of lame how I did it. I just did a move like that, and it snapped my Achilles tendon. But if you notice, I was always, like, limping really bad. That's just because of the boot. It wasn't because, like, I was hurt. You know, like, some people would walk up to me, tito, tito. no, like, I'm good. I'm not hurting. Pray for me, though. One day I did hurt coming to church. That's another story. But uh, most of the time I'm just chill. But now finally I got this little boot to even it out. Everybody go, ah, isn't that a cool little invention? Some of you wear these because you want to feel taller. I don't want to mess with these. Some of the ladies like high heels, which is crazy because my wife can relate to me or I can relate to her now uh, wearing high heels because the way that your Achilles heels is in this position. The flat position is not where you want to be. So I'm actually walking like a woman with my high heels right here. Does everybody see that? High heel, high heel, like a little trot. I'm having too much fun with you guys. It's time to be serious. You guys ready for serious stuff? Let's go to uh, the slide, please, because I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 3, this powerful scripture. We have in front of us the word of God that is unchanging. As years come and go, as kingdoms come and go, the word of God remains forever. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout how many generations? All generations. For how long? Forever and ever and the church said amen. amen. Thank you for that. Let's leave this slide up. I want you to think about it. There are reasons for seasons, and some seasons have reasons, and so when you think about like why uh, the year changes the way it does, we all want to be on the same page, we want to have the same date, okay, and this came about for civilizations to have their order, and there are different New Years throughout different cultures, the Chinese New Year, the Jewish New Year, and when we as the American people are in the Western world, as they have said, have the New Year, we look at it as a pretty big deal. Well, the first reason why it's a big deal is you're alive. How many are glad to be alive Right now, Amen. So you get to see another year. That's pretty amazing. But how many know there's a lot of things that change from year to year? Say uh, you're in a contract. The contract changes. Maybe you're in a mortgage contract. Maybe you're in a balloon payment, which are dangerous contracts. Shouldn't be in those, right? No offense to those who sell them. Only works for the banker, not for the uh, the person having the the money lent to them. But imagine you were in a balloon payment. You were paying two percent interest, and now you're going to this year twenty four, five percent interest. How many know a year changing is a big deal? Also with children, when, when years change, that's a pretty big deal. Where's my oldest? Where's she hiding? She's like, "Oh, there she is. How old did you become in 23? Yeah, and how old are you going to be in 24? Wow, how I many That's a big deal. And her birthday's in December, you know? So, like, that's a big deal. Like, as the year's coming to a close, she's starting a new season. So right now she's 15, and she wants to do driver's ed. She wants to get her permit. And then how many know when a year changes for her? And she turns 16. That's a big deal. Also, 18 years old, 21. Well, those are attached to years, aren't they? There may be somebody in this church. You're turning 21 years old in 2024. Well, we want to make sure that you don't get out and get drunk with your friends and ruin your life. Amen? Amen? I mean, things change when years change. How many know sometimes we don't get bigger this way, but we get bigger this way as the years go by? Come on. We get bigger this year as the years go by. But how many are setting goals for this year to get a little bit thinner? How many are already thinking about springtime and goals that you have? I know I do. Last year I failed miserably. If you remember, by summer I was supposed to have a six-pack, and I'm still carrying around a keg. Would you guys please pray for me? I got to get that six-pack. It's it's happening. Come on. 2024, I'll have a keg no more. I'm getting a six-pack, and my wife's going to be like, ooh, I've never seen that before. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm going for. I don't think you've ever seen me with a six-pack. You have been deprived, woman. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. The six-pack is coming. I think the last time I saw a six-pack, I was 24 years old. Does anybody remember last time they saw a six-pack? Birdo, I'm looking at you back there, big stud. When was the last time you saw your six-pack? Did you ever have one? Oh, I feel bad for you now. Everybody go, oh. I made them feel bad. Dito never had a six-pack. I'm looking at some of these young men. And they still have their six-pack. Liam, six-pack, six-pack? Yeah. Don't, it's okay, man. I'm not meaning to embarrass You, you don't have to show us. I'll believe you. Show me, man. That'd be something like that. that could happen in this service. I am in one of those moods, okay? But years change and our goals change, and some of them should remain the same, okay? So I don't want you to think like everything is going to be new as we're praying for more because somebody might be like, well, I'm getting out of this marriage because I'm getting a new marriage. No, you want to keep some com- commitments from year to year. Can I hear an amen on that? And then look at those of you who are married what year are you coming on in your marriage? For my wife and I, June 19th, I'm I'm making sure I get this right, June 19th, 2024, we are making 19 years. Okay, come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. We can do it. We can do this. Praise God. That's what happens, right? But now I want you to think about it. Where are you right now in your heart connecting to those things spiritually? My daughter better be connecting her driving to her spiritual life. Amen. I want to make sure that she's ready to meet Jesus. How many know the roads are dangerous? One of the uh, couples or uh, some friends in the church that my dad went to in Florida died in a car accident. Could you imagine that? This young ladies, they were driving the car. Uh, They got hit by a semi. I think they ran the red light by accident. That's why we're going to keep an eye on you. But even sometimes doing the right things, how many know being in a car is a dangerous place? So you better have your spirituality right. But for some of you on your jobs, it's the same thing. You know, you might have this this driving thing down, right? But you got to get ready to do what God's called you to do on your job this year. Some of you are graduating college, starting new careers. Others of you are going to be up for bonuses. Others of you might be up for management. Some of you own your own businesses. You're maybe thinking about expansion. And so what we have to do is we got to take those things and connect them to our spiritual life. We don't just want to look at living for God as the thing we do on Sundays or whenever bad times come into our lives. We want to look at living for God as a part of our daily bread. Everybody say daily bread. Amen. So that means when you're on your job, you're consuming the Word of God. That means when you're out with your friends and family, you're consuming the Word of God and you're sharing it with the world. That's the kind of more I'm talking about. Because you may have people in your life today that might be sassy and they might say, "Listen, man, I don't go to a church like you. Have a preacher shout at me for an hour. I don't even give tithes and offerings, and I'm doing better than you. I bought a new house and you're still renting. Or you know what? I've got two promotions and you didn't even get one bonus, etc." And they. they put you down and say, well, what does that church stuff do for you? Well, I want to give you something to ask them back. Ask them, what do you think your job's going to do for you when you meet Jesus on Judgment Day? Yes. Hello. Now, we want to be blessed on this earth, but we got to make sure we put things in perspective. First and foremost, if you want to be sassy, let's go there because you're asking me, what does my God do for me in all these ways? I want to ask you, when you die, are you taking a U-Haul with you? Because you can't carry it with you in that grave. So that's the first thing, is that most people don't understand the purpose of life. They think it's only about the success. They think it's only about those things. But what are they showing us that is true according to the Bible? The Bible said that God sends his reign on the just and the unjust. So they have not said anything to us that we have not already acknowledged. We have acknowledged God's pervenient grace, his general equity, as it's known, that he's given to the whole world. In other words, if a non-Christian goes to the ground today and and plants the seed, waters it, and harvests it. They did that not in spite of God, but they did that because of God. Are you guys tracking with me? So they may not acknowledge God, but it's still God's earth that they planted. Are you guys with me? It's like the old joke that the the preacher said. The devil went up to God and said, I can do the world better, the earth better, the people better. Give me a shot. And then God looked at him and said, okay, go for it. And then the devil just stood around and goes, well, well, are you at least going to give me some dirt? And God says, no, you got to get your own dirt. you got to get your own earth. Because how many know the devil doesn't create? So this idea of someone was successful, that already shows that we're talking about uh, today about God's blessings upon them. Where did you get your brain cells from? Where did you get the earth from to work on the earth? How did you get the ability to come up with those creative ideas? And if they did it honestly, how did you get the ability to attract so many customers? So let's just be honest. Let's not look at the world and try to say that stuff doesn't matter. No, it does matter. How many are happy for social media today? You may not be happy about everything on social media, but how many are glad it's there? How many are glad for technology? Okay, do you wish you were Amish? I'm talking to you, congregation. How many are glad for technology? How many are glad that you can use these things today? But how many know they didn't come from all Christians? Okay, but God enabled them to do it. In other words, when the people of the Old Testament were bowing down to false gods and putting up idols and saying that that was the reason why they were successful, how many know that doesn't change who the real God is? Oh, I thank you, Baal, that you gave me all this great food to eat. I thank you, Baal, for all that. No, no, no. You're worshiping the wrong God. Just because you put it on that God doesn't make it true. So they may say, well, I did it all myself. I worked hard. No, it's not true. You made yourself out an idol, a false God. The God of the Bible gave you the ability to do that. Can I hear an amen? But the next part is God wants you to outperform them this year. God wants Christians to be the best. When you look at the Bible, you look at the story of Daniel, you see that Daniel did so well that the only reason that the, uh, the pagans wanted to put him down was because he was not corrupted like them and couldn't have his heart swayed by money, fame, or popularity. And when they came to hating on him, what did they pick out in his life to make illegal to try to get him arrested? What was it? His prayer life. So they understood that he had a prayer life. Think about that just for a moment, brothers and sisters. Would anybody on your job, if they were hating on you and wanted to get you fired, attack your prayer life? You're like, no, they don't even know I even pray. They don't even know I'm a Christian. Now it's time to be more like Daniel then. I'm not saying we have to walk in there and be a granola Christian, a fruit nut and a flake. I prayed. I'm praying right now. I'm praying again. But no, they need to understand you're a Christian that does pray. So how can you make that known? You can make that known on your time as you develop relationships with them, and you can give glory to God for the successes that they point out to you. So when you go out to lunch with them, pray over the meal. It doesn't matter if they're unbelievers. Hey, man, we're all going out to, um, you know, Applebee's today for lunch. Want to join us? Sure, I'll join you. Everybody's sitting there. Hey, guys, I pray for my meal. Is that okay? And then when you pray, pray a real good one. Father, I pray for every sinner at this table. Some that be drinking and getting drunk at night, going club and talking about Deborah. I mean, just talking about my neighbor here. Lord, I pray that you save him You know, pray for him. Pray for the meal. Pray for. Pray for it. Now, the other way you could do it is whenever you get an, a reward, and this means you have to do good on your job or a compliment, then you give glory to God. Giving all glory to God is not just something uh, uh, Super Bowl players do when they make a touchdown, you know, or when they hit, you know, goal, and you you see the Catholic guy doing that when he's playing soccer. No, that's not just for them. That's for you. Hey, dude, we got a compliment from you at the oil change station. You've been doing great. She said you really were helpful today. All glory to God, man. Are they going to tell you you can't say those phrases on your job? Say them until they tell you you can't, and then ask them why you can't. Are you listening to me? As I told this story here before, it's good repeating because we always have new people in the church. I remember visiting my family over the holidays, and my dad had rented out a box seat at the uh, the uh, the minor league team there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So that was a pretty big deal. Minor league football, and it's indoors, and it was really fun to watch. And my dad rented out the box seat for his business. He's a financial planner, and as he uh, opened up the festivities, he said, "I'm going to have my son come and tell you about Jesus because I owe all my success." to Jesus, and then he's going to pray for the meal. And if you got any questions, come see me or him. How many know that takes some courage to do? You see, he's getting blessed by his company. He's in the sales position where he gets to know them relationally, and he got to share his testimony and had me do that. And I said, Dad, how many customers over the years, because you know not everybody's going to like that, do you think you lost because of Jesus? And he said, oh, maybe a handful, five or six or ten. I can't remember the exact number. And I said, how many times did you get to lead somebody to the Lord or see God do a great work? And he said, I got to see that all the time. I got to pray for people, lead them to Jesus, and I got to see God's blessing on my business in my latter years of my business. were more blessed in all my former years. Are you listening to me? So when they, when they say, hey man, you got the bonus. You get the promotion. We want to sit and talk with you. Just say, man, I just want to let you know I give all glory to God. I'm a Christian and I pray for this company. And don't say it if you don't mean it. How many you know you should pray for your company? Amen. Uh, can I get a better amen than that? That sounds like a Presbyterian amen. Any Pentecostals here today? Do you pray for your job? You better pray for it, even though people of Israel prayed for Babylon when they were there. Even Joseph prayed for for Pharaoh while he was there. You've got to learn how to bless what God has you as a part of because as it goes for them is as it goes for you, amen? And so when they give you the credit, give it all to glory, give it to God. And then when you can share your testimony about what's meaningful, put it back on Jesus. And so what I want us to do is look at the different seasonal changes and connect them to the scriptures. Let's go to the next slide. And I want you to think about these three major ways that you can ask God for more this year. Because it's not just, I want more. Well, what do you want more of? I just want more blessings. You know, well, what what kind of blessings? You need to be specific today. Like we talked about before, you have not because you ask not. And you ask not because you know not. And you know not because you believe not. You've got to go through the scriptures of God and get these promises over your life. So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. I was looking back over 2023 about where I was successful and where I learned. And how many know you don't have losses? You have learning moments. Amen. That's what I call my losses. Is I call my learning moments. So I was looking back because my dad always taught me, "You're not a failure. You're just learning how to do something after a few extra steps." How many believe that? You're not a failure. You might have failed at something, but you're not a failure. You're learning how to do it right. As the old thing goes, you know how? uh, You know they asked. I think it was uh, Thomas Edison. He invented the light bulb. Anybody want to check me on that? Was it Thomas Edison? Yeah. They. uh, He said he. A thousand times, and somebody said, man, how do you get over that? He said, well, the light bulb was just a thousand-step process. Do you get it? It's like the joke, how many times does 7-Up give a shot at their drink? One up, two up, three up, finally got to 7-Up, somebody bought it. At some point, you got to make a decision. I'm not giving up. I'm sticking with what God has for me. And the Word of God will encourage you when you feel discouraged. And I was looking back over 2023 at my wins and my learning opportunities, not just my wins and losses, as it were, my wins and learning opportunities. And as I was going through it, I was seeing God's faithfulness. One of the things that God put in my heart was to start a YouTube channel. And there's a lot of different things on YouTube, you know, a lot of pastors doing teaching things. But I felt the Lord told me to do something different, and that is react to funny skits and videos and then put some scripture on it. So you have me reacting to Ali G. Anybody ever remember Ali G? Well, he used to be popular in the early 2000s, and that video got over 20,000 views. Me reacting to Ali G. Sounds goofy, sounds silly, right? But that was something God put in my heart to do. And now I'm praying about 2024 and what to bring up. And people who would never spend time hearing me preach or go to one of my 10 signs of the end times, which by the way, we may get into in the next few weeks, Lord willing, they may not react to that part of my life, are in, you you, you can literally read the comments, are there in that part of my life saying, you know what, your laugh is contagious. You're a funny person. I enjoy you. And then you know what they'll say every now and then? But I hate God. I didn't like this, but I liked it all up into that. What they didn't know is I was just going fishing, throwing out some bait. Amen? See, when I go fishing for shark, every now and then I might get a catfish. Every now and then I might get a stingray. Aren't those pretty cool if you've seen those before? When I was uh, first fishing in the ocean, it felt like, man, it's like you never know what you're going to get. But you got to throw that bait out there. And I began to ask the Lord this year. I said, God, what do you want me to do more in that spear? So I'm praying about how to do that because Ali G videos ran out. I did about four or five of them. Many of them have 1,000 plus views. So I said, maybe I can look at some of these Instagram reels where they do funny things and, and get that way. Because I teach on Sundays and I have other days where I go live and do those things. And I used to have a lot of energy in that, but it never would pick up. But just notice this, me reacting to silly Ali G videos gave me my most viral time online. Not what I'm doing now. This YouTube video, think about it. This YouTube video, you can look us up, Metro Praise International on YouTube, will probably get 50 to 60 views. Me reacting to Ali G and then saying a Bible verse at the end, 20,000 views. See, you got to use wisdom. Somebody say more. In 2024, I also write books. And I'm asking God, what do you want me to write on? Well, 2024, I'm going to be releasing my first fictional book. And, and then let's say it goes as good as my other books. Ten people read it. Will I give up? No, I'm going to keep doing what God told me to do. It's like somebody says, I read your book and I really liked it. I'm like, okay, so you're the one. That's amazing. I'm glad that you are the one who likes it. But you know what? I've had so much fun in 23 writing my fictional book, and in 24 I'm going to conclude it. I'll put it out for free as well, and there in paperback you can get it. But that's something that God put in my heart to do. Another thing that God put in our heart to do a few years ago was start the Bible college for free and go for accreditation. And now this year we have more than we've ever had before. And students, can I hear an amen to that? You go through your life, you look at your wins and you look at your learning opportunities and you're not supposed to stop there. You're supposed to have more ambition to keep going. The kingdom of God is a moving kingdom. How many are glad the kingdom of God didn't stop in the dark ages? How many are glad the kingdom of God didn't stop in the 1800s? Let me ask you a question. You going to let it stop with you now? Ooh, come on somebody. Are you going to let it stop with you? Because if you don't move it forward, then the kingdom of God doesn't reach the places and persons that you're involved with. You and I are supposed to move the kingdom of God in 2024 to more places, to more people's lives. I'm thinking about how God gave us the gospel truck and told us to go out to the high schools. I'm thinking about how now I can do that as the weather gets better here towards the spring. I'm thinking about other places that God has opened up for our church. Brother Juan and, and, and Isaiah going out to the abortion ministry. I don't know Juan's exact numbers, but I'm going to look forward to hearing them. But my guess is he's probably had close to two or 3,000 people join him on the streets of Chicago reaching the abortion ministry. How many think that's pretty awesome? That's never happened before unless you're you're keeping count in front of that abortion clinic and your numbers don't line up with mine. I don't think there's ever, listen to me, Brother Isaiah, you're in that ministry. I don't think there's ever been as well, and i talked to a man, Jay Peters, who's been in Chicago longer than me. He's been born and raised here, and he's 40 years old. I said, have you ever seen more Christians go out to an abortion clinic in your whole entire time here? He says, none that I know of. So that means the Love Life ministry based out of Chicago, and they just sent me a letter saying, thank you, Metro Praise, for going out there and supporting it. I believe Love Life just set the record for the number one Christian ministry putting people in front of abortion clinics. This is not even our testimony service. That's coming in a few weeks, Lord willing. But do you get my point? That started with Brother Juan saying, this is what God called me to do. It didn't matter if no one was going to go with them. That's what God called them to do. Now we look back on 23 and say a record was set, not just for our local church, not just for a denomination, a record was set for an entire city. So while churches are battling over who's got the biggest building and the biggest fountain, Metro Praise just got a W for bringing the most amount of people out to an abortion clinic. I'll take that over a billion, but if I can have both, I'll take both in Jesus' name. But if you're giving out awards, I remember my one friend said this. He said, I'll take some of what you're going through because uh, he was a little bit envious of us because on on his reviews, you know how every church has bad reviews? His reviews was about people attacking them and what they did with their money and their finances. He said, I'll take your reviews, at least their persecution for the gospel. And I said a little quiet amen. (laughs) Come on, somebody. But he was actually, like, like, aware enough about himself to say that. Like, seriously, there was people. People there that had did work for the church that were saying, you didn't pay us on time and you didn't do that. And you go to our church, it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with, these are the most hate-filled people I've ever met. I went to this church and they said I was a sinner, but I'm just a cute little saint on my way to heaven and it's a homosexual, you know. It's like, no, no, you ain't a cute little saint, you're a sassy little sinner, amen? <sighs> no, you don't want to swap church reviews with us. But how many are proud of our church reviews, though? Like it's a badge of honor. Like, seriously, I look at some of my friends' reviews, and I'm like, no, you haven't made a big enough ripple in the city yet, because I'll know if you made a ripple in the city by your Google reviews. How many know that Jesus wasn't loved by everybody? Amen. uh, Titus, my youngest, clapping. You clapping for Jesus. Amen. Bible says, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful just for Sunday school class. And is useful just for figuring out the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But don't try to bring it to your job because you'll be weird. No, it says it's useful for what? Teaching. You got to teach people things on your job? You got to teach people things in your family? The word of God is useful for that. Rebuking. You ever have to rebuke anybody in your everyday life? How about correcting? And how about training in righteousness? You ask any boss today if you want people to be righteous or wicked, what do you think they're going to say? Righteous. Now ask them, by whose standard? See, many of us, as you go to your job, you have to sign your character commitments to the company, right? You have to sign this, that they're not going to allow you to lie. They're not going to be happy with you lying. Well, we got the sale. No, no, you lied. You got us all in trouble. You're going to sign things that have to do with your integrity. And you know what? All you have to do is ask them, where did those rules come from? And they might get a little squirmy, you know, there in HR and just be like, "Um, uh, well, uh, I just think it's decent humanity. Well, ask them human resources. Why do humans matter? Why do we matter? Why don't we lie to each other? Why don't we steal? Why don't we steal from the company? How many of every boss wants you to not steal from the company? Wants you to be nice to the customers? So is there anybody here that wants, that goes to your job and they say, be mean to the customers and cuss them out? No. Even the most vilest uh, manager or CEO you may have will keep his mouth from swearing and using vulgar language. He gets around a certain customer. Are you listening to me? Because they want that business, and they understand human decency. But where did training and righteousness come from? Uh, Apple, or over here, what is that, T-Mobile, or, or down the road here, we have a, um, uh, this way right here, we have a, a place for handicapped people, those with special needs. You know what I'm talking about right over here? Some of you have been in the neighborhood for a while. Where did all of those values come from? And even this one that's right on the other side, I always just pray for these people right here, save them. They, uh, they turned on us, took away their parking spots during COVID. They need to give those back in Jesus. name. Amen. And just hand over the keys to the building as well. No, I'm just kidding. Every place we step our foot, I'm putting my foot right on your property. No, I'm kidding. But right over here, right over here, Onward House was started by Christians. I met one day with the owner and I told him that. I said, well, you guys Christians over there, do you teach godly principles? And he goes, no, no, no. no, we don't do that. We don't mix religion with what we do. And I go, that's not how it started. Have you read your history books? Oh, yeah, that was back then. We don't do that anymore. Shame on you. I didn't tell him that but that's the that's the gospel truth though shame on you I did correct him but I didn't say shame on you and I said well you're losing your foundation Christians are the ones that started these charities onward's house is it was a house of a, a, a ministry not a ministry um, it was a service provided by the church could call it a ministry in that way I believe by the presbyterians to Housing for those who were in lower income, but for sure it was started by Christians. So, look at this again, brothers and sisters. All scripture is God breathed, theanoustos in the Greek. That means it comes from His Spirit, it comes from His essence, and is useful for these four things. Let's say them together one, two, three teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Thank you. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for how many good works? Every good work. So in 2024, what do you want to see more of? You should want to see more of the Word of God touching the areas of your life, touching the areas of your job. And here's a way that you can do it by your success and by you, you giving glory to God. And even those of you who would say, man, you know, nobody notices me. Like uh, my in-laws were in the first service and uh, my, my father-in-law came from another country and he worked at Brock's Candy Factory. Anybody remember that on Cicero out there? Uh, I guess they ended up filming Batman over there. Uh, but, yeah, it was this big place. And he worked over there, Brock's Candy, okay? And then uh, w- when they let him go, he was a janitor at a high school. How many know that's a good job to have? There's there's a lot of job security in that. And so that was a great job. And I think about, you know what? Every day he went to work, he was around all those young people. I wonder how many he was praying for. You ever see one of those movies where the janitor becomes a friend? Come on. You never know what God's going to use you to do. Or if a situation happens and he just happens to be there mopping did I hear somebody over here say that, man, I don't mean to interfere, but can I pray for you? See, brothers and sisters, God wants to put you in places that maybe the world doesn't even see to be as a highfalutin op- a, a, a place to be, but there's going to be opportunities. We have those of you here that uh, take care of children and your nannies. You should be ready, ready and willing to bring up the gospel at any time. You should be praying for that family. And at any moment, oh, we're going through so many hard times right now. Oh, we just don't know what to do. Hey, you know what? Can I, can I suggest we pray about this? What's the worst they can say? Oh, no, no, I don't believe in God. Well, okay, well, just know I do, and I've been praying for you. And I'm praying for your family. And I'm praying for opportunities for the word of God to become real in your life. If, if, if every one of us as Christians believed that the Word of God was thoroughly equipping us to do every good work, we would not be the same on that job. And the people around us would recognize our differences. As a Christian, everywhere I go, I'm telling you, whether it's that YouTube channel that I was doing, or my neighbors, or it's people that I'm just meeting to get my hair cut with, they always know something's different about me. And then I tell them afterward, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor. There was one time a person said to me, my, my friend and I, we were at a table, and they said, man, whatever you guys are on, I want some. And, I, and, and then I, we said to them, we're not drinking, we just have the joy of the Lord. But they noticed that we were so full of joy that we were enjoying each other and that we we're having such a good time that they said, whatever you guys are drinking, that's what I want. I mean, come on, When's was the last time somebody said that to you? I'm not saying it happens every day, but you need to have a testimony. Another couple of times, my wife and I have been out at restaurants, and people have just walked over to us, came right to our table, and said, let me just tell you, I'm just so impressed that all your kids sit here. You guys are such a blessed family or a good family, however they say it, and then we say thank you. Some of your families go to the place, and they're like, oh, dear God, have mercy. No. Are you listening to me? Let's be honest. I'm not trying to say that I'm better than some of you, but I'm just saying God has a testimony with us. Am I not telling the truth, Nancy? That people have come up to our table saying, you guys are just the cutest little thing and how everybody gets along here. That's amazing. What are you doing for the Lord in your school, young people? When my, this is one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't use the word of God in my high school years. Instead, said I used drugs. I remember going to my youth group for a little bit before I backslid, and I remember my friend bringing a dozen or so kids from our high school, the same high school that I was doing drugs and doing bad things at, he was bringing them to church. Are you guys listening to me, young people? How many times have you invited somebody to your youth group, or even tonight, have you blowed up your Facebook, inviting your friends tonight to this event? Because that's what you should be doing. And young adults, you should be out there thinking about, who can I invite tonight? Even some of you who can't spend the whole night there. And maybe you do have a tradition that you're going to do. But you should look at it, young adults, and say, hey, man, who can I call up right now? Who can I text while pastor is preaching? Because I'm going to be on my phone anyway. right? Who can you text while I'm preaching? Hey, man, you want to do something tonight? We'll go out for dinner, and then we'll head to the church. Six o'clock dinner, and then we'll head to the church at eight o'clock. How many think God can do it? The Bible says in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing in kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Help a preacher preach, brother. Thank you. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In two thousand and twenty four, before you ask God to bless you on your job just for the promotional sake, you need to ask God to show you who can you preach to, who are your neighbors that you can preach to this year and see come to the Lord because before we ask God to do anything else in our life, we need to see that what we 're there for in that part that we're playing in that role in that job or in that community is first and foremost for the gospel. When you look at the lord's prayer, how does it start? God, I pray for all these blessings in my life. Is that how the Lord's prayer starts? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name? What? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if I told you you have that job to be a preacher? Well, I thought I had that job to be, uh, you know, a provider for my family. That's secondary. First is for you to spread the gospel message there. Think about that. The first priority you and I have in every place of our life is to be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can I influence where I'm at for the gospel of Jesus Christ? The very first reason why you're living where you live right now is to impact people's life for Jesus. Well, God, I thought I just moved out to Elgin because it was inexpensive and it had bigger front yards and backyards instead of the little bungalows in Chicago. Nope. The number one reason why God moved me out to Elgin, princess, is to reach my neighbors for Jesus. That's the number one reason why I'm there, is to reach my neighbors for Jesus. Some of my neighbors have liked me talking about Jesus. Others have not. I remember when Gene and Tisa were in town, and I wanted my one neighbor to come hear them preach. I showed up at his house. He was in his garage, and I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he said, not much. And I said, bro, man, my friend here, he's a missionary, at that time was in Africa. I said, he's preaching this Sunday. I would love to have you come. And he said, oh, man, my family and I have plans. And I said, man, you know what? You can have plans with your family and go to church too. You know what he did? My friend said, get the F out of my face before I slap you right now. I didn't know him that well. I thought he was kidding at first. I was like, all right, dude, whatever. He's like, no, get out of my face right now. And I was like, whoa, bro, what are you talking about? I saw my friend. God is my witness. He sold me furniture. I hung out with him in the park. I won't tell you who he is, Vinny, but Vinny used to be my neighbor. Within two seconds... He got in my face. Literally, as I'm getting in the car, he's shooing my car away. He's spitting at the ground. He's Middle Eastern, by the way. He's spitting at the ground, telling me to get out of his face. You see, sometimes telling your friends about Jesus is not going to go well. I-, I felt sorry for uh, uh, Gene. He was next to me. He's like, some friend. <laughs> if that's your friends, Joe, I don't want to meet your enemies. But that happens. What do I think it was? I think he was uh, demon-possessed, man. I didn't know this about him, but the moment I started poking at him, he got severely uh, antagonized by the spirit that was in him. And the Bible says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers of darkness in spiritual high places. But how many know that doesn't get me to stop preaching the gospel to my friends? That just makes sure I pick my friends better. No, I'm kidding. That just makes sure that the first time I invite them to church, we about this far from each other. And then I don't mean to be insulting in any way, but it took a lot of patience just talking dude to dude because this guy's about this big, and I'm guaranteeing you one thing. It would not have gone the way he thought it would have gone there. I was already thinking about what I would have done. I would have, to the faith, and mm, mm, down there. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you, man, and then just, just, mm. and then I would have said, Come to church. <laughs> no, but I'm just tell, But I'm being honest with you. I'm being honest with you. As I was walking back, the, the Lord was telling me, it's not him, it's a spirit. And as I'm telling you, as I'm in the car, I was looking at him. I said, hey, bro, that ain't you, man. That's a spirit. You can ask Gene. I was looking right at him. I said, that's not you. That's a spirit. And I wish I would have said I rebuke it in Jesus' name, but it just didn't come to my mind. But what, what I was able to get out is, that's not you. That's a spirit on you. You have to be ready for what the world's going to throw at you this year. We're not talking about everything's going to go easy. The Bible says some people just don't want to hear it. They would rather hear what their itching ears want to hear. I think to myself, if I would have been inviting him to any other church, probably wouldn't have been no offense, probably wouldn't have been anything. But because I was being a little bit aggressive to him, showing him that his excuses don't work, and the spirit in him knew the kind of church that I was inviting him to, that's what provoked him. I just uh, looked up, because sometimes I do this, the last person that put a Google review on there says, I hate this place. I looked up their name in Facebook, because if you're going to put that up, I I am going to look you up and stalk you a little bit. So I took their name off the review, put it in the Facebook. All over their page is, God bless me doing this, pray for me doing this. And they came to our church website and said, what a hateful place. I bet you they, and I was looking through their reviews as well, I bet you you ain't never left a review for any other church, probably never left a review for the homosexual church over here or the church that never does anything for the community, but you're going to leave a, a review for this church. Why? Because it provokes you. Come on, somebody. Not everything in your life is going to go well as you put God first, but is it worth it to put God first? Absolutely. Let me tell you another story that went a totally different direction with a friend. As I mentioned before, but as I said, there's always new people. This year, wakeboarding, I made friends out there. And I don't talk to ladies by myself, like on the side, like, let me talk to you. But we hang out. And when you wakeboard, you're all in one space, okay? So I wakeboard, and I meet friends. And one was a young lady. And um, she had brought her boyfriend a few times. And when I saw her without her boyfriend, I was like, yo, where's so-and-so? That's my dude, you know? She's like, oh, we broke up. And I'm like, is everything okay? Okay. And then moments, tears coming down her face. No, it's not okay. And she knows that I'm married and I'm a pastor. And she just started talking to me about her issues. And once again, you don't have to be a pastor. They just have to know you're a Christian. Can I hear an amen? Or just for most people listening here, they don't even care, right? They'll just talk to you, especially if they've been drinking a little bit. But anyways, this person just started talking, and she wasn't drinking. She was in sober mind, crying and weeping. And God is my witness. I started writing her. I put my wife in the chat as well, and. Uh, She was so grateful. I wish she would have came to the church. But I just saw her at our last time because she doesn't live in the state. And I saw her and she said, you know what, thank you so much for all the things that you sent me, all of those links and for your wife and I praying for me, you and your wife praying for me. You see, it's those kinds of differences that you make in your everyday life. Now, they're not always going to be extreme in either way. I wish I would have heard her, you know, confess Jesus. I want to be a Christian. That's exactly what I want. You're right. That's what I need, you know. And I'll come to church tomorrow, and I wish you'd be sitting right here in the front row, right? But it doesn't always work like that. But I have to be ready, and you and I have to be ready to take that word of God and apply it to their lives. The Bible says that the man of God, if you scroll up, please, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for how many good works? How many? How many? every good work. So when was the last time you were on your job or with your friends or family and something came up and the Word of God was the answer and you didn't bring it up? What about those times? You have to look back and say, well, if 2024 is going to be more, then I got to be faithful to the Word of God. Maybe one last thing here in closing. My cousin is not always, well, let me just say this. I have crazy cousins. Does anybody else have crazy cousins? (laughs) I have crazy cousins. I have them. They're they're so crazy. I don't even spend time with them anymore. Let me just tell you like that, okay? And and I know sometimes I mess around with like cousin Flacco and all this. And sometimes you might think I'm a little racist. He's always talking about my cousins are as white, blonde hair, blue eyed on the Polish side as you can possibly imagine, and they are as crazy as cousin Flacco is. No racism here. Are you listening to me? I always just tease with cousin Flacco because when I got into the Boricua community, I had to meet cousin Flacco and understand how things went down. You know what I'm saying? He coming to the family reunion tattoos on his neck, you know, smoking weed in the corner, okay? Like you, you understand. So I just I, I always mess with cousin Flacco, and my family don't look like cousin Flacco, but they are just as messy and tore up from the floor up as cousin Flacco. For example, when my when my aunt died, they all fought over his inheritance. Anybody ever seen families fight over money? Fought over, didn't speak to each other for years over the money. Another one, one of my cousins, we believe committed suicide. We still don't know because she died mysteriously and nobody knows except the husband, but he won't tell anybody. So anyways, she writes me the other day and says, you were right about so-and-so, cousin. And I'm like, first of all, I don't even remember telling you anything about that cousin. But I'm like, okay, if I was right, Amen. And then I'm like, How can we help you, my wife and I? And then you know what? She responds back, in other words, and in, in, in summary, thanks for responding and caring because not a lot of people do. See, once again, I could have ignored her, right? I could be like, Cousin, what are you on? I don't want this mess. Not my monkeys, not my circus. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Or I could have just wrote back something like, or like a like and just put something like, Okay, thank you, you're welcome. But no, I wrote back something that invited the conversation. You know, it said, I'm I'm great to hear that. I don't remember it, but here's, here's what I can do. I can pray for you. I hope all is well. Let Nancy and I know how we can serve. And that made the difference. And she said, well, I want to talk to you later on this week. So we'll get all the dirt, and I'll tell you to you guys next week. Amen. Half kid. Better be careful what you tell a pastor, right? Become a part of the sermon next week talk about his cousins. I'm sure they were, man. One time, no, I'm even just being honest with you. One time, I was preaching about my, because I always tell my aunt's testimony, she's the one that died of bone cancer, saying, I'm healed, I'm healed. And then I said, when she closed her eyes, she opened them up in heaven and he said, yes, daughter, you're healed. That's that one. One of my cousins got offended that I was even talking about that, that testimony. She said, don't bring up my aunt like that. Don't bring up my aunt. And I said, here's a couple things you've got to know. Number one, I don't care what you think. Number two, she's my aunt and I'm going to share with her whatever, share with the world whatever I want to share. So aren't you happy I'm not your cousin? Amen. Because I said, it's, it's my life. It's, 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 you get what I'm saying? Even though it's, 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 I don't mention her name, but it's my life. I can share about anybody I want in my life. Amen. I said, amen. I'll talk about you right now. You want me to test me? Y'all better start, amen, and amen. Talk about me, amen. Or somebody's like, you ain't going to talk about me. I'll meet him out back. I, I, look, you're not going to threaten me either. I've had people threaten me with that. Then, then I'm just like, I want to talk about you even more. Now this guy has have been talking about, now he threatens me. It's like sometimes people want to come to the service and have it be like all private. Now, thankfully, I respect your privacy, but your life is for me a proverb. You are either going to be a wise person in my stories or you're going to be a fool. And some of you have been both. <laughs> How many know some of you have been both? <laughs> I'm going to tell your life story one way or the other. And thank God I don't mention your name because they mention names in the Bible. You know, who, you know who Judas is, right? All right. You know who betrayed him. You also know who Imenius and Alexander are. You know these people because the Bible talks about them. All right. Let's go to the next one on the slide, please. 2024, we need to see more of the kingdom of God. Let's go to Matthew 6:33. How many want to see the kingdom of God? Amen, I'm praying this year about all the things that are meaningful to me and how how I can see the kingdom of God more in my children's life and what I do here on Sunday and what I'm doing on my job and for for extracurricular activity outside of this church. The Bible said it like this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his what? His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Because let's be honest right now, Jesus is talking to some of us right here about this, because 24 is not something you're looking forward to. Maybe you are in that balloon payment of that mortgage, or maybe your job said to you, we're shutting down, and, and we're not going to have this available. Or you're thinking to yourself, I'm taking on too many loans in my school bill. Or you're starting to deal with family issues, like how I'm talking about with my cousins. See, some of us are not looking at 24 as the most amazing opportunity. Some of us are like, dear God, no, I don't want to go into 24. You ever see those memes of somebody falling down the slide backwards, you know, like they walk up and they fall down, tumble down the stairs, and somebody goes, that's me going into 24 or me going into the new year. Or somebody else driving a car and it wrecks and flips over 20 times, that's me coming into the new year. How many have ever seen one of those memes? That's why, because those people are dealing with problems, and they know that the next day after 31st to January 1st, uh, you know, the day 31st coming after January, uh, December 31st, it doesn't have magical power. So they understand, man, the same problems I had today, which is a Sunday the 31st to Monday the 1st is going to be there. So they got all this worry. You have to be as a Christian better than that. Jesus is not saying to you, everything's going to be a walk in the park tomorrow. But what he's saying is that I will be there with you to walk in the park tomorrow. Is everybody with me? Because last year around this time, there were some of you that had children that are not now here with us in the church. They've passed. Some of you had parents and they're not now with us. They have passed. Some of you have had siblings and they're now not with us. They have passed. And though you were not expecting it at the beginning of the 23 year, it became one of the hardest or some of people the worst year ever. Are you all tracking with me? But what is Jesus' solution to that? Send the preacher $1,000, get a holy rag, and then now confess, I'll never have a problem in my life again. Sprinkle some magic dust on your life. No, the, the, the solution to us having problems tomorrow that we have to face is not worrying about those problems but putting our trust in Jesus. He's the only one that holds tomorrow in his hands right now, and he says, trust me. I'll give you 100 bucks if you can get a piece of tomorrow and bring it to me today. Anybody got some? Anybody got some tomorrow to give to me today? No, so then why are we worrying about tomorrow today? It's not even here. God is the only one that has tomorrow in his hands as much as he has yesterday in his hands. Bible says not to worry about tomorrow. So what are the biggest problems that you and I could be facing? Someone here might have a loved one that will be passing away in the tomorrow. Yeah, we just found out my aunt or my cousin, my grandma, grandpa, they have cancer. And if they don't have a miracle in the next few months, they're going to pass. Yes, that could be facing you right now. But you and I are not supposed to be worrying about that. We're not supposed to be setting our mind on that. What we are supposed to be setting our mind on is God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. So, so God's good right now when I got the news that they, they have cancer. God's going to be good tomorrow as we're waiting and going through the chemo. And if God forbid they are to pass, God will be good the day I have to, to say goodbye to them. That's the kingdom way of doing things. And so you want more in 2024? It starts with seeking first the kingdom of God and everything that you face. Because everything that we face is not going to always go our way. And we have to trust God that whatever we're going through will work together for our good. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and just hear that famous scripture. That all things are working together for our good for those who are called according to his purpose. Anybody here called by God? Come on. Anybody here love Jesus? Amen, look at verse 31, or excuse me, let's start in verse 28, and we know, Romans eight twenty-eight. and we know that in how many things? All things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's why I say we don't have losses, we have lessons. Well, I lost somebody. Well, they're still alive in eternity, you technically haven't lost them, but I know what you mean, but what lesson did you get by not having them around anymore? What are you learning now not having that person in your life? To my friend who lost his son this past year, what are you learning about God that you didn't know before? To someone here that lost their sibling this year, I'm preaching right to you today. What are you learning today about Jesus that you didn't know before when you had your sibling? What do you think I'm learning right now as I'm hobbling along on this? I should be learning something through my struggles. Every pain has a purpose. Your purpose is, uh, your pain has a purpose, and that's to glorify God. Start right there. God, I glorify you not for the problem, but because of you being with me in the problem and being better and bigger than the problem. You are the problem solver. I'm going to thank you right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to praise him on the good day as well as the bad day. And as most people say, you don't learn on your good days, you learn on your bad days. Because on your good days, you're already taking credit for everything. You're already looking back on everything you did right. It's generally through your losses that you're learning. And so, brothers and sisters, don't look today at God with your fist raised high, shaking it at Him when things go wrong. Ask Him, How are you bringing your kingdom forth through this problem? You see, Job could have shook his fist at God, saying, God, look at all these problems. I don't deserve this. And God is saying, I'm bringing my kingdom through this. Do you know how many people have been blessed by Job's story? Of course, Job didn't want to go through it, but when he did go through it, look at how many people now in their time of suffering say, well, if God was good to Job and gave him double for his trouble, God will be good to me in Jesus' name. Well, somebody had to be the first to be the example. So God chooses us to go through these problems, and we have to be faithful to God in the midst of it. Going back to the Scripture there in Matthew 6.33, the Bible says, and all these things will be added unto you as you seek first the kingdom of God. I have never met anybody who has put God first in their finances that hasn't had their needs met. First of all, I see them as some of the hardest working people. How many know if you just gave 10% of your money away, you're going to go back and work hard? (laughs) Hello, I got 90% left. I gave 10% away. Tithers are generally the hardest working people I know tithers and those who are givers seeking first the kingdom of God are generally, I'm just speaking in in general over 20 years of ministry, are generally the most generous people I know. Why? Because they're used to giving God 10%. They can break off you 1%. Come on, can I hear an amen to that? Most people that I know that are generous, like when we're talking about going out there and doing the abortion ministry, or we're talking about uh, foreign missions and all that's going on, when you talk to the people who are the backbone to donating towards those charities, you go down to the donor list and you talk to those people, because I've met them over the years, 99.99% of the time, they're tithers. One who gives big gifts to love life more than likely is a tither. Those who give big gifts to the mission organization, tither. Those who are working with adoption, tither. You ask them, have you been tithing? You been give-? They'll say almost every time, yeah, I'm a tither, because that's how they learned how to give. They learned how to let go so God could have what he wanted, and then God gave them what he had so they could have it. If what's in your hand doesn't meet your need, it's your seed. When we let go of what we have, God lets go of what he has. When we open up our wallet, God opens up the windows of heaven. We're not taking up another offering. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. We're, a, we're blessed as a church and always have been. But I'm just saying some of you are on the struggle bus because you haven't learned how to seek first his kingdom. And you're saying you can't afford to tithe. But the truth is you cannot afford not to tithe. That's why you're struggling in that way. And I'll never forget this. When I was in Mexico... I was preaching in Chilapa, Nayalita, a small village, and that was really awesome. And we were out there preaching and doing ministry in an outdoor service, and my brother went to do tithes and offerings. And I stopped him. I was going to interrupt him because it was a special service. And I, I, I went alongside him. I said, bro, we don't got to do the tithes and offerings here. And uh, the, uh, the interpreter was right there as well who was helping us. Uh, she, she said, it was a woman pastor. She said, no, they have to give. And that was the first time that I understood, even as a pastor, that I looked down on people in their gift if they didn't have what I had. I thought, poor people, you don't need to give. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible teaches us that the way you come out of your poverty is through giving to God. Not the preacher on the TV show trying to manipulate you, but giving to God. I know that sounds shocking that a preacher would actually say, don't do tithe and offering, but I'm that kind of guy. I was like, man, we don't need to bring that up right now. But then I learned, and then when I went to India, I was totally different. I said, have them give all the time. No, I'm kidding. I went to India, and I was like, I started teaching them this because I started saying, you know what, we as missionaries come. And we bring all these blessings to you guys, but I don't want you to see it as we are the rich people and you're the poor people. And so since we're rich, we're the only ones who can tithe. You need to learn how to tithe. You need to learn how to give. And you know that some of those churches now in India and Africa that were started by missionaries are some of the biggest in the world and they themselves are giving to others to help them. So God forbid if we're here in America, God bless America, and we're not giving. How can we say God bless us when we haven't blessed God? You have to bless God and be in covenant with him. Go through the scriptures. Every time God is about ready to bless them and do something amazing in their life, it's always preceded by a gift, a sacrifice, or an offering. Y'all, many of you, you look back on that and you go, well, man, that was easy. That was a cow, man. For me, it's $1,000. I make 10 G's a month. Man, live on a farm sometime and see how much valuable worth that cow is to you. That cow is what you eat. That's what you milk. And you just setting it on fire for God? Let's just take the, the filet mignon, the wagyu and set it on fire for God. You want to talk about he don't need it. That's what everybody says now. Oh man, God don't need it. It's a preacher who needs it. God don't need it. Imagine putting a bull on there, setting it on fire. God ain't going to eat it. They just burned it up and then what did God say? smelling, that's a pleasing aroma to me when I smell it. How many know back at that time they could become like atheists and be like, man, God don't need that. Forget that. Eat that lamb. Anybody ever had lamb before? Come on, my mother-in-law makes the best lamb. Man, eat that thing. They're burning it, setting it on fire. Priests coming over, taking the best part, the Bible says. That was reserved for them. And then the fat belonged to the Lord, so they didn't eat a lot of the fat they burned in. Being honest with you, we got to learn more from the priests, Amen. I said, amen. I like fat too, but they would burn up the fat, take the lean meat for the priest. And we look back on this, and we almost, seriously, we almost have the same attitude of Cain. Remember, Abel brought the good offering. And the Bible says, in a course of time, Cain brought his, and God looked down on it. And see, sometimes we're wondering, man, why is God looking down on what I'm doing? Well, it's because you're not bringing him his best. I just read this in other service. I won't do it now. But the Bible says in Malachi that people were bringing their broken animals to God. I mean, they got a little hip to the game, right? It's like, man, if I got to bring something and it's just going to burn up in front of me, man, I'm going to get that one-eyed, crazy, limping lamb. Get that crazy. Get that one. It's not like, but It's like, you know, it's like all messed up. Bring that broken, busted lamb over here. Throw some of y'all laughing with me. I'm just having fun. Grab that lamb, busted up, lamb, throw it on there. And, and God is rebuking them, going, would you give this? Just put it up there for me, please. Uh, Malachi chapter 1, say, verse 6. Would you give that to a king? You know, they would make sacrifices for kings back in the day. He said, would you do that to a king? Look at this, verse 8. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you, when you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? I mean, they bring in the one. That one's just dying over there. Throw that thing on the Barbie, man. Burn that one. I mean, how many know it wouldn't take that long for us to start thinking that way? It's like the old joke about the, 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 the little girl on her way to church, you know. She lived back in the day when you could uh, walk to church on a country road and get into your little city, you know, and your little town. And so her grandma couldn't make it one day, so she said, uh, here, you go, and here's a dime for you, and here's a dime for Jesus, and you give it in the tithe and offerings. Here you go. And with that dime, she was going to go get some candy. And it's like any kid, you know, she's walking, and she's playing with her money. She's playing with her money. Well, she accidentally dropped it and went down the drain, one of those dimes. And she looked at that dime, and she goes, oh, there goes Jesus' dime. (laughs) Yeah, she made sure that that dime was still hers. The one that she had, that was her dime. The dime that she lost was Jesus's dime. Are you guys tracking with me? Well, there goes Jesus's dime. Well, there it is. Here's Jesus's animal. Take the blind one and put it on there. Take the crippled one. I mean, it's not like God's going to eat it, but you see, God was testing their hearts. He He owns the cows of a thousand hills, the Bible says, and he's testing to see, will you give me your best? Because if you won't give him your best, how can he bless your rest? How can you ask God to bless your 90% when you won't give him 10%? Last time I checked, he owned it all. Do you know that we're all just borrowing his land? We're all just borrowing his, his life that we're here. Everything is just borrowed from God. And it's not like you're paying a bill. You're giving it as an offering. You're giving it as a blessing to the Lord. You're, you're telling him, thank you. When you, act, when you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, this is not wrong. Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? And then you look at people and what they do to impress each other and how people go out and waste all this money. Seriously, man, I've, saw, I've seen people in this church on food stamps, you know, spending all their money on groceries, and then that money they have left over, they go to the nicest restaurants in town. I'm like, they're asking my wife and I to go to this, uh, you know, oyster place one time, and I'm like, I can barely even afford that. And I'm watching them just pig down on everything. That's because they gave all their best to their, to their weref- welfare check. Are you listening to me? And now they just spend the rest on themselves. The Bible doesn't say to be like that. The Bible says give your best to God. The Bible says that when we give, go to Luke 6, uh, 38, please. When we give, it's given to us, pressed down and shaken together. When I first became a Christian, no one had to force me to give. I understood the principle because I had seen it in my parents' lives. But I didn't quite understand how deep it went until I started having my own money, my own jobs. And then I started seeing God bless me and pour out his spirit upon what I had. And all throughout these years, you look at this storefront church and how God has blessed us and taken care of us and how we don't have to borrow and how we don't have to uh, go out to other denominations and how people, even of their own self, come outside of the ministry and give monies to us to partner with us and how God has always provided. Would I like a bigger building? Absolutely. But I'm not going to go under stress to get it. Some of my friends, they get big buildings and they lose their minds. They get big problems. They say that a pastor who goes through a building project more than likely will retire a few years after that because they'll consider that to be the greatest achievement of their life, and they burn themselves out getting there. I'm not saying every pastor. I'm just saying over over a series of years, they've noticed that pastors, after they go through big building programs, they lose their heart for the ministry because that was all they gave their time and effort to. I would rather give my time and effort to the streets, to the discipleship, to evangelism, and let the building come as it may. Amen? Amen? I'm not going to go through some $300,000 building project, hire some professional marketer. That's what some of my friends do, bringing marketers from the world to amp you guys up to give more. I mean, literally, they do this just to have you give more through giving campaigns and have your certain color of offering envelope, and then we're going to staple it on the wall. Man, no, here's how it works. Give as the Lord has given to you. Be faithful in your tithes and offerings. And if we do a building fund, don't expect to be an annex, uh, you know, for a new building to be named after you because you gave so much. Amen. How many know that happens in the church world because they've lost sight of this? What does the Bible say? Given it will be given to who? To you. That's Jesus talking. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And put that into King James, please, because it says that men, talking in general about males and female, uh, but it's talking about humanity, shall give this to you. It doesn't say angels will do it. Look at what it says. Running over shall who? Shall men. Somebody shout men. Come on, shout it again. Men, shall men give into your bosom? Your bosom is right here. It's your chest. It's your strength. Men will pour into that bosom so you have more than enough. The Bible teaches us that the greedy go away empty. So people now may say, oh, you give that 10% to the church, or you're giving your time and effort to the church. Man, I don't give any of that. Look at me. I'm richer than you. I have more money than you. But you know what? Everything they have is going to be taken away. Everything they have is going to be turned to dust, the Bible says, and they can't take it with them when they die in a U-Haul, can they? No. Go back to the scripture, uh, to our slide, please. Think about these things for more. Number one, you want God's word. Number two, you want God's kingdom, and number three, spiritual gifts. Quickly as Daryl comes, First Corinthians chapter four, verse one, we have a Holy Ghost advantage. Did you know that? Come on, you have the Holy Ghost with you. You have an advantage over the world to be successful because God is partnered with you. Oftentimes, we think about what the world did, uh, the Christian world did through science, through invention. And we think it's just a coincidence. I was watching this with my wife, uh, the Gladiator show, uh, the movie, rather. How many remember Gladiator, Russell Crowe? Love that show, man. Love that movie, man. Right at the beginning of the movie, what you do now will echo in eternity. How many know you can go to war after that? What you do now will echo in eternity. That was a pagan saying that. He was a Roman pagan. The Gladiator movie, here's a spoiler alert, is about a dude who was once a Roman general, doesn't want to get down with the new Caesar. He gets ostracized, lied against, and he does what's right until the day of his death, and he tries to restore Rome back to a democracy. Okay, there's a spoiler alert, but check me out right here. I was watching that with my children, and I was explaining to them about the Roman Empire. And I was telling them, think about this. The Roman Empire was ruling the world at that time, and yet they couldn't come up with anything close to what the Christians did when they took over the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the strongest world-dominating force, if not of its entire history uh, up until that point, of humanity, if not in all times. In other words, I don't think there's ever been something like the Roman Empire, and it certainly had not been anything like it before. And yet Christians brought Rome to its knees without fighting one battle. How did Rome get won to the Lord, and why is there now the cathedrals of Peter in Rome, and why is there an entire denomination known as the Roman Catholic Church? Why not the Jerusalem Catholic Church? Why is it Rome became the seat of the Roman, uh, the Roman Catholic Church? Because Christians were so devoted to their beliefs that no matter what they did to the pagans, uh, the pagans did to them, they wouldn't die; they would multiply. But now, watch this. When people talk about human history, what did those Christians in Rome end up developing? Literally. Literally, everything about modern society you like now, the Christians did. When they came to power, they enabled science and universities and hospitals and orphanages. All came from the Christians. The idea of economic fairness the idea of having a free economy came from the Christians. Now, somebody may say, well, what about this time when they did it wrong or when that one totally with you? Let's condemn whatever needs to be condemned. But let's be honest to where these things came from. The hospitals, the universities, our forms of government, and our ideas of charity all came from Christians. Can I hear an amen to them? Come on, that's why Islam lost. How many are glad Islam did not win the holy wars? Hello? Hello? You look at the crusades, yeah, it was both sides doing some wrong, but I'm thankful that there was a greater good that overcame because you would not want to be ruled by an Islamic sheikh right now. And that's why, by the way, Islam still hates Christians is because we've been kicking their butt. It's like we should make a bumper sticker. 2,000 years and we're still kicking your butt. Seriously. Remember the wars of Tripoli? that the Marines sing about, those were against Muslim pirates kidnapping and terrorizing us. They have always hated Christianity and the freedom that we bring. Study your history. We love them. We welcome them into our country. And I say our country, but I came here with my people only 100 years ago from Europe as well. But everybody track with me. Christianity changed the world. Why do I think that happened? Because we had spiritual gifts. Think about that. Those Christians believed that God empowered them spiritually to do things that no one else could do without God's hand on their lives study about the people who discovered that the world was round and traveled here Christopher Columbus and others and the prayers that they prayed put up for me um December 31st devotional please I have a prayer from George Washington once again I'm not approving of everything they did I'm just saying is it any coinciding that in your history in your modern day history in the last say 400 years we'll call that modern history that every great success that has come to this land has come through Christians. Is there any coincidence there, brothers and sisters? I don't think so. I think God's been blessing us. I think God gives us spiritual gifts. I want to ask you for this year to pray about your spiritual gifts and to seek the Lord, to see which ones he's pouring into your life. Some of them may be only useful in church. I get that. But others of them can be like Helping you discover something that's never been discovered before, having the courage to live by it. Go back, uh, scroll down. Let me see if this is the prayer. It might be the day before this. Keep on going. No, give me the uh, 30th, please. Let me just encourage you with this. I come out with daily devotions every single day. You can do it on the app or you can do it from the website. also have books back there if you can't afford them. Take one for free today. It's our gift to you. This year... Spend time in God's word every day seeking his kingdom. Amen. I want to end with this George Washington quote because it reminds us that spiritual gifts are not just the ones we do in church. I would say casting out demons. Maybe you'll do that just in church. Tongues and interpretation. Yeah, those are some church gifts. But what about the other spiritual gifts that the Bible talks about like the gifts of administration or the gifts of helps or the gift of leadership? How many know leadership is a gift? Amen. Thank you. Let's put this up so everybody can see it. Look at what George Washington said first Thanksgiving. By the way, did you even know why we came up with Thanksgiving? Do you know that the whole idea of what you see with pilgrims and Native Americans and how that's become like a colonialization thing had nothing to do with Thanksgiving? Zero, 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 zero to do with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was started... Because the Christians in the United States were having days of prayer and fasting all throughout the year, giving God thanks for their nation, and they wanted to centralize it. A Christian woman said, since our church does it this way and this denomination does it that way, let us have one day where we do it all together. And then they made it a holiday. And then over time, it talked about being thankful when the pilgrims came, but it had no connection at all to that. It had to do with Christian people wanting to have a day to give thanks. So not only have we been distracted by the whether or not uh, there was white privilege and colonialization, that, that whole thing, not only is that a distraction, but it has missed the entire point of the word thanksgiving. Who are you giving thanks to? Well, I, I, I'm serious. I was watching, a, 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 you know, one of those sitcoms. I just want to thank the turkey and my mom and all. I just want to thank. And we're sitting here going, yeah, right thank the turkey. You ever seen that? Sometimes you see that like in Native American-esque type movies. I just thank you, dear, for giving your life. And the deer is like, I didn't want to give it. Why are you thanking me? I did not want to give it. A thank you kind of sounds like I gave it to you. And now I'm supposed to say back to you, you're welcome. I don't want to say you're welcome, so don't say thank you. How many know if a deer could talk, a deer would be a little bit sassy about you eating it? The reason why you eat the thing is because God said you could eat the thing. And the reason why he made cows slow is because they taste so good. You couldn't catch them if they were fast. He's letting you have a break. God wants you to have the filet mignon. Are you listening to me? He made it easy for you to catch. You're welcome. Think about this. Who are you giving thanks to? The only one you can do is for God. Well, you know, Snoop Dogg, I just want to thank the most important person that attributed to my success, me. Thank me for getting up. Anybody hear his selfish uh, acceptance speech? And I want to thank me. And I did this, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity of selfishness, the first sin of pride. What's the middle letter of pride, y'all? I. I. And Satan Satan said that at the very beginning, I will ascend to the hill like God, I will be worshipped, I will be adorned with glory. Notice this, Thanksgiving was designed to give thanks to God. Why? For his spiritual gifts and his blessings that we may you then unite and most humbly offer our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions to enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our, severe, uh, our several and relative duties properly and punctually to render our national government a blessing to all people. How many know if most people said this in the government today, at a public high school today, or even tried to do it at, on a football team today, they would probably be fired? And yet, that was the first president of the United States of America saying we need to humble ourselves and we need to pray and we need to ask God for forgiveness. Now, notice what he says by consistently being a government of wise, just and constitutional laws discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations especially such have shown kindness unto us and to bless them with good government peace, concord to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and the increase of science I believe in science to increase the virtue of science among them and generally to grow Grant all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows best. When was the last time you thought you thanked God for the spiritual gifts that he's given you? Go to 1 Corinthians 14 quickly now. I just want to encourage you. These are primarily the ones that come in church. But there's more gifts than just this, by the way. Just like there's more fruit of the Spirit than the ones listed. Those are just summary lists eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. Quickly, I I know I'm going a little bit long here, but you don't have anywhere to go, right? Set to a party tonight. Maybe I'll just go right into the party. We'll see who really loves Jesus. Just keep preaching to 8 o'clock. Hand the mic off to to Lawrence. You're next. passed. You're like, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't funny, pastor. Stop kidding. Let me out of here, man. I gotta go do stuff. Okay, let me say it like this. I was praying for a brother. Dad had just called me up the other day. He was in first service. He sat right there. His name is Autry, and he testified that this is true. He uh, is working at his dad's church. He's doing a lot of great things. He just had some questions for me, and I was talking to him. And at the end, I began to pray. We should always pray when we give advice that we believe will impact people's lives. I even ask you to try that on your job at different times. You may not be able to do it all the time, but I'm just saying wisely do it. Maybe there's one time that they come to you and they go, man, it is not looking good this quarter. We may have to to, to let some people go. Why can't you say at that time, can we pray? What are they going to say? No, dummy, we don't pray. Okay, cool. You don't pray. I'm going to keep praying. But how many know we need to be able to bring it up? How many know we need to be able to bring it up? You didn't cuss them out. You didn't say anything mean to them. You just said, can I pray? Okay. Okay you need to be able to do that. So anyways, I gave this man advice. That's my job. And I know you think I'm always going to pray, but sometimes pastors don't. Lord, put it on my heart to pray. While I was praying for him, prophecy, word of wisdom and knowledge downloaded right to me. And I heard this in my phrase, he will sing over a generation and bring them freedom. Come on. Now that sounded kind of weird even to me. So I said to myself, how do I share this with him? Hey, bro, I just had a word while I was praying that you're supposed to sing over a generation, you know, like some musical. No, man, like even as, as, as spiritual as you know I am, I'm like kind of shy with those things. So I asked him, I go, hey, bro, let me ask you a question before I let you go. After I prayed, I said, do you sing by any chance? That was like me being shy, you know, and he was like, yeah, man, I actually sing for my church. And I go, brother, this is what the Lord just told me. You're going to sing over this generation and bring them freedom. He said, Pastor, I'm scheduled right after this phone call to go meet with my dad, who is the pastor, about me leading worship and the songs that we're going to sing. That's God. How would I know that? Brothers and sisters, once again, how would I know that? You're going to sing over a generation, and in the next hour, he's about ready to sit down with a meeting with his father about singing songs, and I didn't know he was even the worship leader. And then he had me listen to the sermon that he preached at his dad's church. And the first thing he did is he sang a song before he preached. God just was looking out for that young man that day. You remember reading about Daniel? Daniel didn't just prophesy in church. Daniel prophesied the kings. You remember Joseph? Joseph didn't just prophesy in church. Joseph prophesied to Pharaoh. Brothers and sisters, God is looking for people that he can trust to give words to, to speak to them. Maybe one more here in my fourth closing. Nancy, keep track of closing, okay? What am I on, number four now? You've been up here for a while, so we'll close it down. Just a second, just a second. So I'm in cemetery, I mean seminary. Learning the Bible, getting smart, right? Doing all these things. Well, the one that I was with, I don't want to mention his name just in case it ever gets to him because I think it was a private story. He's the smartest out of all the professors I've ever had. He knows multiple languages. He actually works with the artifacts and he interprets them. So he knows the Babylonian script. He knows Hebrew. Very smart. Very smart man. And so we were talking about ministry and different things. And he had said to me, so I hear you're a Pentecostal. You're spirit-filled. And I go, yeah, that's what I believe. He goes, I think you might like this story. So my wife and I, we have friends, of course, that believe like you, and we never really took them serious, you know, because this guy's a nerd. This guy thinks he figured out the Bible, and, and part of that belief system is God doesn't do miracles because if it, if it happened, they would see it all the time. And since they're the nerds and they don't see it, it must not be happening, and everybody else is just over-emotional, right? That's what they think. He said they would tell us about this stuff, you know, because they worked with other seminaries and different things. And he said, we never really took it serious, and I always thought I was smarter than that. I just thought I was smarter. Well, my wife... She lost her father tragically, and her father abused her and was a tragic part of her life. And she was grieving, which I can't relate to, but I've heard this from others that when the tormentor passes, there's a sense, not only a little bit of relief, but there's a great sense of something never being closed and it only ending in the tragedy. I don't know. I've just heard that before. So where I might just be like, thankful the, the wicked witch of the east is dead, you know, that type of thing. Like there's a there's a pain in that. So that's what he's telling me. So I've heard that kind of thing before, that there's a great pain. And knowing that that relationship is forever lost, it's, it's, it's gone. And she was in mental anguish. He said, I thought I was going to have to bring her to the mental hospital. Imagine this. This is a seminary president here. This is a huge leader in his field going to have to bring his wife to a mental hospital. I mean, it could happen to anybody. Can I hear an amen to that? One of my pastor friends had a mental breakdown in Walgreens. Another one had it while he was out with his family in the backyard, had to bring him to the hospital. Mental breakdowns happen, y'all, okay? He said, but one night she was up and she was groaning so much to Jesus and just in her pain, that she started saying his name and calling out. And then all of a sudden, she started screaming in other languages. And as she started belting out those other languages, the power of darkness, the anguish of her soul began to break off of her. And she just kept praying in that language, praying in that language. And he said, just between you and I, she still prays in that language. I know it's real. I just haven't yet. Boy, that took a lot of courage for him to tell me that. But I just thought to myself, I wonder what would happen if Ellen Degenerate, I mean Degenerate, started speaking in tongues. Maybe she wouldn't be as attached to women anymore. I wonder if the rock got rocked by God and started hearing prophecies and things of the Spirit, if his heart would awaken to the things of God. You see, spiritual gifts are real, and they come into your life for a reason. They don't just build the societies and help make hospitals and these different things as God gives us wisdom to discover those things. These spiritual gifts can also be used to go down deep into souls, into people's hearts and lives and change them in ways that could never be changed. Fifth closing, Griselda. See, you got Iguela, your mama there. She's got her grandbabies there, right there. Does your mom know your testimony? I'll tell it too. You listen and maybe correct me when you guys go home. But Griselda was invited by Sue Ellen to one of our Easter services. And at that time, I always teased because Griselda's MySpace page was her holding the corona like this as she was a bartender. Right? Right I telling the truth, having her corona. just like, hey, I'm a party girl. I'm having fun. Not too bad of a party girl, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, here I am. And... Uh, She's sitting right there in the front you know, of the church. And the man of God stops while he is preaching, and I have not spoken to him, and he does not know the facts of the matter, and says, You came here with your sister, and God wants to do a great work in your life. Am I not telling the truth? And began to prophesy over her. And from that day, she gave her heart to Jesus and has never looked back. Brothers and sisters, spiritual gifts will change your world. It's just you and I have to be ready for that. Imagine this, just real quick. Imagine you going to your job, and everything's there about ready to sign the papers. You know, because you see this in these fictional movies, like somehow they know something they're not supposed to. But imagine they're about ready to sign the papers, and you look to your boss. This is not the deal we want. Just trust me. Pull away, and I'll tell you in about five minutes. But we don't want to sign this right now. And imagine you pulling away your boss going, hey, man, I got an impression. You don't have to say it was all spooky and weird and the Holy Ghost came with the angel Gabriel. Listen, man, I just got an impression that there's something in the fine print that they've changed and we haven't checked. Let's have our lawyer go through it one more time. And imagine then your lawyer goes through it and goes, yep, right here it says they can change the rate after five years. And that's how they were going to get us. Or they could go to another customer, you know, another service. Brothers and sisters, I think we don't see these things enough because we're not believing for it. And what is the church supposed to be? The church is supposed to be where we practice it. It's just not, this is not where we only do it, it's where we practice and get good at it. So when we're out there in the world, it comes natural to us. Just like it did with that young lady going through her relational problems, or the one that the policeman that I I met when I was snowboarding, and he told me he was a janitor because he doesn't like talking about his job, and God told me he was a policeman. It's those kinds of things that change the world that you're in. I'm praying for you to have more in 2024. As we go back to the slide, as you read the word of God, you study it and put it into your everyday life, as you seek first God's kingdom and your finances and all that you're doing this year, and that you and I will corporately see the spiritual gifts of God come so powerfully that when this brother has his Bible study during the work hour that people have to shut down the equipment and come to the Bible study as they did when Charles Finney came to the factory. Can you stand up with me and give it up for Jesus today? Come on! We're not the first generation to believe God for more abandoned altar workers. Would you come please? Did you ever end up reading that story by Charles Finney? Yeah, Charles Finney was a preacher that went and visited a factory. And when he went to the factory, true story, They saw him walk because he was going to go hang out with the owner, I think. And as he was walking by, somebody mocked him and goes, oh, that's that preacher. He's a preacher. Look at him. He looks so silly. And then one of them said, hey, don't mock that preacher. God's been doing great things in the revival services. And then all of a sudden, those who were mocking started saying, man, I feel the presence of God. And they started falling on their knees in the middle of their jobs and started giving their hearts to Jesus. There are stories of revival breaking out on trains. There are stories of revival breaking out on jobs, in schools. Do you know that U of I, look it up sometime, the revival of U of I. How many have heard of U of I before? Fighting I? Come on, somebody. Do you know that there was a revival that broke out on that college campus that is still honored to this day? Every year they'll have a mission conference there because God's Spirit broke out so powerfully among those who were getting a secular degree to start preaching and reaching the nations that now they have a missions conference at U of I. I want to see more. I want to see my job change. I want to see my nation change. I want to see my neighborhood changed. There was once a man that prayed for his neighbor in his his little uh, work area, his shed. And one day the guy came, his neighbor, to get something out the shed. It was like, you know, just one of those basic things like, hey, man, is Bob around? You know, talking to the wife, is Bob around? I need to borrow something for my, my yard, a lawnmower. No, no, Bob's not around, but you can get it out the shed. The guy goes in there, instantly feels the power of God like your wife has felt in this service. Instantly starts weeping in the shed as he starts feeling the love of God come over him. The wife notices that the man's not leaving. Like, maybe he needs help. You know, he didn't just come in and out. Goes in there, finds him on the floor weeping. She leads him to the Lord. And she goes, this shed is Bob's prayer closet. He comes in here and prays all the time. And you're one of his main prayer requests right here. He prays for you while he's working and tinkering on stuff. He's asking God to save you. That's why you felt his presence when you walked right into here. I pray that will be on us. I know those miracle stories kind of like seem like they're beyond us and it only happens to someone way over there. No, but I've seen it happen in my life. I want to see it more in 2024. Anybody else? Father, I ask you to put your presence on us this year. Make us the Daniels and Josephs like we have never seen before. I pray you bless us financially. Anybody need a financial miracle? Raise up your hands. Come on. Lord, I pray you bless us with houses and land. Anybody looking at houses and land this year? Lord, I pray you bless us with debt-free education. Anybody else going to school this year, paying a lot? Lord, I pray you bless us. Anybody starting a business this year or maintaining a business? Come on. anybody's taking great steps of financial faith? Lord, I pray you bless us to be a blessing. And Lord, I pray you anoint us to win our friends and family with these spiritual gifts. Come on, raise your hands if you want spiritual gifts in this house today. Spiritual gifts to know things that only God knows. To be able to take steps of faith. Father, I pray that we'll reach out to our neighbors. You'll give us words for them. Lord, I pray that you'll put a supernatural presence on us. That they'll know something's different about us in the name of Jesus. I remember my old Catholic neighbor at my first apartment, she used to say, you teach the Bible so differently than those at the Catholic church. I always feel much better when you do it. She knew that the anointing was on my life differently than the priests and the deacons. few moments right now, Father, I pray you use us in 2024 to see more than we've ever seen before. If you don't know Jesus yet, just close your eyes and say, Jesus, cometh to my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Right now, God can change us and rearrange us. Before we go, let's pray for three things that we want to see more of in this year. Come on, greater than we can ask, think, or imagine. That doesn't mean we don't ask, think, or imagine. It just means God can do greater. God can do greater. Come on, I can see my family getting saved. I can see my cousins getting saved. God do it. In the name of Jesus. I pray for the phone call with this cousin later this week that it will go well. That whatever is going on in her heart if she doesn't know you're serving you right now, I pray that she will. I pray that it will reverberate to the other cousins. Come on, greater than I can imagine. I pray for more of my friends, uh, my, my children's friends to get saved. I pray for all of them in the community that I live in to be saved. I pray for that neighbor that got mad about me asking him the church will get saved. Come on, come on, come on. Three things right now. More, Jesus. Mas. En el nombre, Jesus. Mas. Right now, Espíritu Santo. We pray for more. In the name of Jesus, I pray for a revival to sweep across this nation right now. I pray for more than we've ever seen. God, we've seen you bring kings to their knees. We've seen you bring presidents to their knees. We pray you do that in our governors. We pray you do that in our president as we're getting ready for election season. God, we pray for you to do that in our businesses that will never, never be the same again. Never, never be the same again. Now rebuke the devil with me. Come on, Satan, I rebuke you. You cannot stop what God started. Come on, some of you rebuke him right now over your community. Rebuke violence, rebuke perversion in the name of Jesus. Maybe on your job you sense there, there's, a, uh, there's a resistance there. Rebuke it because it's not just physical, it's spiritual. I pray for every boss to be open to the word of God. I pray for every co-worker to be open to the word of God. Satan, loose them and let them go. We command you to take off the blinders in the name of Jesus. I know I've already heard from a few of you like Daryl and Andrew that some of the atheists that you've been working with for years are starting to see breakthroughs. Come on, I'm believing this year. Say his name. You don't have to say it over the mic, but say it in your prayer, Daryl. I'm believing with you for that man to get saved that you told me about. As he sees you blessed, as he sees you working so happily, he's starting to wake up to the gospel more, Lord more Jesus come on somebody pray for our high schools before we go high schools are on my heart this year I pray for high schools to be safe I pray for the young people to get saved again I pray for school clubs to spring up I was just preaching at a school this year in Elgin and there are so many there that are hurting they are open to the gospel we just have to be faithful to go my daughter homeschools and we go out of our way to bring her to that club because we believe that God has a plan for these schools few moments right now in the name of jesus father do it in all of these high schools do it god in these colleges in our area isaiah was one to the lord come on up here isaiah and join me and pray for our colleges isaiah was one to the lord at uic did he already leave because i want isaiah to come up here he was one to the lord by jocelyn at uic come on pray for our high schools and colleges a few moments before we go there aren't they worth it Jesus, I pray for more of them to be saved. I pray for a 1,000 UIC students to be saved like, like how our brother was. Now think about this. Now he's dating the girl that want him to the Lord. And it didn't start that way. It did not start in any way him being attracted to her or to try to get her to date him. He was already even in a relationship when he started coming. But she was the preacher that led him to the Lord at UIC. And now over the last few years, he left that young lady and then live single, and then now they're together. Isn't that a miracle story? Come on, Jesus, do it, Father. A few more moments to transform our nation, our schools, our families. I pray for deliverance. There he is. Pray for the schools with me, man of God. You'll get that hot chocolate in just a minute. Come on, just lift up your hands with me right now. Pray for UIC. It was UIC, right? In the name of Jesus. Come on. Father, I believe it right now, even as he prays. Come on, James was saved out of new age witchcraft and now he's believing God for more of these people to get saved. I agree with you right now. For the psychic tarot card reading shops to get saved and become houses of prayer. Back in the day in Europe, they used to have a lot of bars and pubs and when revival would break out, those bars and pubs would become churches and some of the songs that they would sing as hymns actually came from bar tunes. They would just change the lyrics from the bar tune to a hymn. I pray this to happen right now in these new age circles. For what they're doing for the new age and those familiar spirits that they'll do for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, this year, this year, instead of handing out tarot cards and reading people like that, don't read the Bible and tell them what the Bible says in Jesus' name. Never the same again. Never the same again. I pray for gangs to get saved. Do you know how many times I meet gang leaders who get saved? Come on, pray for the gangs by name today. The Latin kings, the Gs. We pray for them to get saved in this city. We pray for them to come to know Jesus. For them to become leaders to those young people that follow them. Deliverance to come to this city. Hallelujah. We rebuke you, Satan. You can't have them. From downtown to the west side, the east side, south, north, God, for the suburbs, God, we pray for revival to sweep this land, to see things in 2024 like we've never seen before. And all God's people said, amen. Can you bless them today?